My name is Dilip Joseph, and I work with uh, an agency based in Colorado Springs, and we work in this specific country in uh, Central Asia. Right before we start, I want to give you some definition so we are, we are on the same page. Um, so when we talk about community health and empowerment uh, and development, I'm going to be looking at it from a grassroots level of holistic development that encompasses the emotional health, the spiritual health, um, you know, the social health and physical health. So when we talk about restricted access countries, there's a lot of terms, especially you students, uh, you're full of terminology as we go through educational ventures. Um, you hear a lot of uh, different terms like closed countries, limited access countries, created, uh, creative access countries, and restricted. I want to say most of it, uh, you know, um, alludes to something uh, very simple, and that is you have to be creative in, in working in countries like this. You cannot use the label missionary to get in. Um, you can use a teacher, lawyer, a doctor, um, and such. So the regions that we're going to be um, focusing on um, when we say restricted access countries is mainly Central Asia, North Africa, Middle East. And I, and I, um, and I put the list in that order because the level of affluence tends to go higher as we look from Central Asia to North Africa to Middle East. So we're not always talking about very poor countries, but um, the, the way we get in and the way we do our work, we have to be very creative about it. Okay, so why we do things like this? We need to take a quick look at what's happening in the mission field. So out of 16,000 um, reach people groups, we still have half of them unreached. And this is slightly uh, an older uh, tablet, um, uh, now with our 7 billion population, I'm guessing I'm 0.3 off there. Uh, Non-Christians, we're still talking 40 to 60%, 60% still being unreached. And practicing Christians, we're talking 99 to 1%. And um, this is what is a shocker. So evangelical missionaries in these reached people groups is still 90%. And we're talking about 10% in the unreached people groups. So, um, when I was 12 years old, I gave my life to Christ after uh, seeing a documentary of a Japanese Christian doctor um, uh, dedicating his life to go to China uh, to share the greatest story ever told. And I made a decision that I found, if I want to live, I want to live for Christ. And the vehicle that I used, I wanted it to be medical missions. Um, so, that... <clears throat> got me to, let me just show you real quick, the place right in the middle. <laughs> With all its neighbors that, that they don't like very much, or they, they use as an excuse for all their problems. So let me go back. So what we're going to be talking about are some principles that we can use in order to work in places that are supposedly hard. I was not supposed to show you that. So, since it's early in the morning, and it is 9.05, how many are here from the West Coast? Only a few. Can I pick on you guys? <laughs> Can I use one of you guys to go to this board, and one of you guys to go to that board? And we're going to do a quick exercise. Is that okay? I just want you guys to be scribes. So you're going to do the, the rest of the audience are going to do the thinking. 
you guys are just going to be writing. Is that okay? So start from the left-hand corner of the... It's only going to take five minutes. Sorry, guys, but thank you. So as we start this exercise, I just want to... We don't have... A, sorry. Let's see. I don't know whether you guys can see this. I'm just going to, as you can see, pour some water and leave it right there, okay? Hold that thought. I'm just going to leave that right on the chair so you won't be able to see much of that. But we're going to do this exercise. So when you guys think about, you both have a marker set to go? Okay. When you think about creative access countries, restricted access countries, what comes to your mind? Just blurb it out and these guys will write it down. Okay, one at a time, please. Persecution. Persecution. Okay, so you guys writing the same thing. Markers that work. <laughs> Persecution. Next. Oppressed people. Oppressed people and violence. And we will give these guys a little bit of break and say it one at a time and slowly so they can get all of it. Um, if you can do me a favor and just go ahead and list it because we are going to... Um, need the need another side to do some other listing, but I don't want to give away too many things. Okay, violence. What else? Poverty. Poverty. Islam. Okay. Islam. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. We would equate a religion to that, but that's in many cases very true. Anything else? Dictatorship. Anything else? We can come up with a few more. Women not counting. Women not counting. Very good. Military. Military. Okay, we'll take a quick break. I don't know whether these guys are getting all of it. <laughs> Women not counting. Military. Narrow-mindedness. Very good. Thank you. Spiritual darkness. No church. No church. And by church, you mean a group of Christians. Okay, we'll take a few more. Go ahead. Uh, I think inclusion in 1040 window. Inclusion of, yeah. So geographical location, 1040 window. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, now take a look at what you guys just said. <clears throat> look to whichever... Uh, you must be a student. So, so well organized and listed. I'm, um, I'm just picking on you. I'm just picking on you. Okay, so what I want you to do... Uh, what I, stay that way as long as you can. But... Um, <laughs> What year are you and what, what student are you? Okay. All right. Yeah, when I, 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 um, I credit medical school for wrecking my brain. So uh, I don't know whether I'm organized anymore after that. Draw a line right after you guys are done, wherever you're done. Just vertical line straight down. And what I want you to notice here is that we've come up with a bunch of negative stuff. Now, I want us to see this God's way. I don't think God sees it this way. Okay, and, and it's, that's hard for me to even say because, 
again, I work as a medical director, so I have the opportunity to go once in a while, maybe three times a year, and see some of the heroes of our faith living it out, day in and day out, in this oppressive climate. And it's hard for them not to see it because that's the reality. But let us, let us take a look at how God sees this. So for each of the things that we mentioned, um, says, I mean, you guys both have the same list, so we'll, we'll go with persecution. What do, you, what do you think God sees? Thank you. Opportunity. So let's write that down. Let's, let's go a little quicker so that we can get some principles in here. So I'm just going to put my short list in comparison to um, your list as well. And let's, uh, let, let's go, down the, go down the list. Oppressed people. What do you think God sees? A hunger, a capacity that's greater than what I've seen in any other place. Um, violence. Is there anything good that could come out of violence? Passion. Thank you. Yes. Yes. That's exactly some of the stuff that's happening from that from that country. There are churches that are emerging in places like India and Greece, Austria, Germany, different places where these guys are, Iran, um, where these guys are uh, displaced. And some of them are being pastored by locals. How amazing is that? Poverty. God. Thank you. Need to depend on God. Islam, the religion, what good does God see in that? How about their devotion? How about, how about their drive for righteousness? It is self-righteousness. But how about that drive? I am floored uh, about some of my... Yes, I realize it is, it is from self. But the righteousness, I wish and I pray for that type of drive, that I thirst, that I have I've lacked over my uh, spiritual journey. Dictatorship, what could come out of that? Uh, you have the answer right here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, whenever I talk to some of the locals, they say, you guys in the West don't think like us, well, obviously, but um, we need a strong, benevolent dictator who would set the right path so that people can follow. So uh, some of the reasons why it's unstable is because they are shattered in their thinking. Uh, what should we do? What should we do? So they're striving for some stability, and they go to the extreme. And then you have regimes that, that, that as we said, oppress women, um, you know, completely get rid of the sanctity of life. Um, women not counting. So we mentioned that. Military, probably, again, uh, a bit of... Stability and, and things of that sort. So let's just let's just go on to the next one. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> so the last one that I have here is um, hopelessness, and what a great way to speak into God's eternal hope um, in in an environment like that. So we do this so that we can be the salt and light. What a great opportunity to go to a place where Christ is so needed so we can be on the light in the midst of the darkness. 
So you know the place. So, essentially, it's a... I pick that not because it's the hardest to live. I'm sure hardest to work in, but I'm sure there are other areas, whether it is Central Asia, North Africa, um, other places of Middle East, that you have to be just as creative and, and things are very restricted in terms of your spiritual movement. Um, but this place is the size of Texas, 99% Muslim, 48,000 mosques and no church. Um, but I, I should add that just two weeks ago I heard that the local underground church in the capital city is, has gone up to 11 different groups. And they had uh, gone down quite a bit from May of last year uh, after a, a bit of shake-up within the parliament and showing uh, a lot of evangelistic activities on TV for about a week. Um, all the uh, you know, believers scattered. Uh, and now they're back, you know, slowly coming back again. And uh, like we said before, you know, scattering to other places and forming churches and leaders emerging out of that. Um, 32 languages, two-thirds of them illiterate. So a lot of the things that we do um, based on orality and pictorial presentations. As you already know, if I, if I mention the next one, we'll give away what we're talking about. That, but it's good to know that um, it's good for us to realize that we are the biggest market um, for what they're producing. Um, you know, 25% child mortality, especially during the last regime where they went through all that oppression. Millions of refugees going, going to different places. Um, and life expectancy at 43, um, both men and women in that range. Um, so when we, when we meet their needs, we're meeting young adults and young leaders coming up so that we're really focusing on the youngsters who are obviously today's and tomorrow's leaders. So I want to go through some principles, and I'll get to the fun part just in a bit with all the stories and, and pictures and sorts. But I, um, especially as I went through public health and, and medicine, realized that um, as a system, we're not looking at holistic health. We're not looking at the whole person, the way God has made us to be. Um, so, you know, I think we live in a, in a time and age where people are talking more about this. I mean, God's been talking about this since the beginning of time. Uh, we've been dealing with people just with their physical symptoms. And so I am challenged by the understanding of Trinity. How do three persons of one being coexist so well together in love and the fruit that they, um, uh, that they show through their connection with each other. So it took me a long time to um, realize that that's how we're made. We're made with the spirit and with the soul. So each and every one of us, we have that distinction of spirit and soul. There's only a few references in the Bible that actually distinguish that that way. But I think we're realizing more and more that the soul is... Um, I look at it as um, inward focus, uh, who we are, our experiences, and our spirit is made as, as God's spirit, as he breathes into us um, to look towards him. So that is in line with the Holy Spirit if we allow him to. And that allows us to align our soul um, so that the fruit that's coming out is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, kindness, gentleness, goodness, um, of that sort. So how do we utilize this in community health? 
in, in health behavior, we know that knowledge, the belief system that we have, or the, um, that leads to values or attitudes that show up as health behavior or health practices. So we see in leadership uh, development that people are made of the foundation of a person is his or her character. You know, this character leads to our attitudes, so the way we practice certain beliefs, um, and then, then style, the way we practice it out, uh, outwardly. So in leadership, it is interesting to note that um, how many times do we ask the question of the character of a leader? I'm sorry that some of you are having a hard time seeing this, um, but I think that's the best we can do. Um, you know, how many times do we ask the question, I wonder about the character of this leader, rather than saying, oh, this is a style. Look how great an orator he is. Uh, look how well he handles himself in situations or her, herself. Um, and we do not go. In medicine, we do this. In health practices, we do this. How many times in your clinical history and getting to know the patient do you actually ask pertinent questions that lead to better understanding of a patient's character. And yet, that's what makes up 70% of who that person is. And then you have skill set that makes up maybe 20% and then 10% of style, what you see outwardly. So same, same um, uh, description when it comes to the fruits that you see, the worldview, your paradigm, what you're made up of, and the way you think about things. Um, that alludes to your values and your practices. I hope you get that, that whole picture of how we go about it in the wrong way of just symptom, symptomatology and symptomatic treatment, the way we deal with, whether well, it's a person or a community, we make the same mistake. So in, in dealing with um, a community in terms of community health, I'm going to take the approach of let's just start with a person. If, if, uh, if a, we cannot go down to the level of an individual the way Christ did with his disciples, and even having 12, he focused on three. Um, uh, I was joking around with the pre, pre-conference Che folks, the community health evangel, evangelism folks, that um, you know, Christ uh, decided on three people, and I've made it a point to decide, uh, disciple two when I go to Afghanistan because I can't outdo Christ. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the point is this. We are so focused on quantity. And what we miss out is on the fact that if we did it the way Christ did, he, fe- he focused on three. And what did these guys do? They went around and touched so many lives who went around and touched so much more. So as we focus on quantity, what we're doing is I go out and preach to the 10,000. And I say, Wow. What a great job I did, and, and I think people were just so impressed, and, and, and uh, I think I touched their lives. And there's absolutely no follow-up and no sort of methodol- methodological, systematic way of seeing their progress. And so, yes, one person has touched a thousand lives. Great. Now, what if this one person that you touch, instead of thousand, one person that you touch turns around and touches ten more, and they get into a period of you know, developing themselves in their, in their spiritual walk, and then each of them touch another ten. You have surpassed thousand before you know it. Uh, and yet, our thinking in terms of needing, uh, because of our altruistic 
mode of thinking, we need to feel good about what we do. We need to see the fruits like yesterday um, so that we can tell others, report, you know, put out great reports um, so we can tell our church back home that we baptized, so we would tick our boxes. Um, so I, I am very proud to announce that um, the one guy that I disciple is now discipling eight others. Something that I can't do because of the barrier of culture. I mean, my culture, having having raised, having been raised in South India, is very similar um, to this place. Um, and yet, language, some of their traditions, some of their values are different. But how much more effective as we cater to or meet the needs of one person and, and walk with that person. And they turn around and do so much more. And yet, in our thinking in our structure of spiritual activities, we get so quantity-based um, in our work. So asking the right questions, so you are actually getting down to the uh, root of the matter, the character issues, the knowledge base, the worldview. Why do you believe in what you believe? One of the things, I'll show you a slide uh, of this coming up. One of the things that we do is leadership development for many strategic reasons. I just noticed that I never mentioned about this uh, cup. So I poured the water. How many, how many of you guys thought, okay, that's uh, somewhat empty? Raise your hand. Oh, you guys are too good. So were you all defining it as half full? I mean, that's essentially, now I can drink this. Um, that's essentially our, our attitude, isn't it? When we look at something, we're more prone to say, the lack of, see the lack of potential in something, rather than saying, wow, we, there's, there's a lot of potential here. There's life-giving water. Rather than say, I don't know whether it is the way we have developed in our thinking, where if you don't have enough, um, or if you don't have it to the, to the full maximum or whatever, we're just not satisfied. But, I mean, when God sees any of that stuff, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm sure that he's seeing the opportunity behind things. But anyway, um, so being able to ask the right questions in a culturally appropriate manner. Um, so I realize in our clinical practices, you know, first of all, we don't have the time to spend with a patient. But um, second of all, um, we don't always put on that spiritual cap, the whole person. A cap, um, and we don't ask, hey, some of your attitudes and some of your behavior, what is that stemming out of? Uh, what is it that you believe that's making you practice? Well, it is, it is health behavior or anything else. Um, um, and sometimes it seems like it's not culturally appropriate. Oh, am I stepping on their shoes? They're, you're not, actually. Sometimes when you ask these questions, they're very thankful, and, and they would say, Nobody has asked me that before. Um, so when we do something like leadership development where we um, reach out to young adults, uh, young professionals, you know, tomorrow's leaders or today's leaders, um, in a place like where we work, you cannot talk about religion and politics. I mean, I think that's a good um, standard to have parameters to set. Uh, but what happens is after our talk, inevitably these guys will come up and say, what are you not telling me? Um, and then you get to uh, get into stuff like, well, a lot of what I say has to do with what I believe. 
and this is what I believe. I believe that it is safer to uh, follow someone who is alive than who is dead. And then, then get into more and more details as you go along. And they are always inviting you when you really get into their worldview, their paradigm. And of course, if they don't want to you know, set the course in that direction in the conversation, they'll just say, well, that's a, that, that's a mistaken interpretation or the translation error. I mean, that's, that's a local favorite. Um, but but uh, the fact in all of this, the basis behind all of these conversations is what? Relationship building. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not there to convert anybody. That's God's job. And we forget that. Always. Um, so let me, let me mention the last point, and that's measuring our work. You know, we're uh, being so quantitatively... Um, you know, prone, um, we have a hard time measuring the spiritual, um, you know, state of our work. Um, I had a mentor who challenged me by asking me, you know, how do you know if, if, um, if something is of God? And he said, you know, we all struggle with this. And yet, in the Bible, it is so clear. The fruit of God is the Spirit, isn't it? And so, as a community lifts out their life with each other, in their interaction with each other, in love, joy, peace, and all the rest of the, um, the fruit of the Spirit. Do we have anything to quantify and to go by when we look for the fruit? We sure do. And, and different ways of measuring that is certainly, again, based on the relationship and the interaction and, and the words that are coming out of their mouth, whether it is, um, you know, everything... Uh, I'll mention this real quick. Uh, one, of the, one of the phrases that I use a lot in my conversations with leaders in that country is, of course, there's an excuse for everything. Okay? Um, things are really bad because of this government or our neighbors uh, or the certain network in our neighboring country. So I always ask the question, how long do you want to be a victim? And... When are you going to choose to be a victor or a good student of a situation? And that always gets them. And I don't mean to be mean by it. I mean, because of some of the relationships that you set, you can ask that question and go straight into their belief system. Because do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a student? Victim, you're never going to get out of that mentality. If you're a good student, you're going to say, what can I do to make a difference in my life and the people around me? And that question just challenges them so much. Uh, to the extent that saying, I don't want to be a victim. Do I come across like a victim? Yeah, maybe. Some of the things that you say is always like victim mentality. Yes, you come across like a victim. So, um, and, and, and to learn that in our own lives. When we, when we put all the, all the excuses that we give to God and others. Okay, it's, it's their fault. See what they just said? Oh, that just makes me mad. Or um, they make me feel this way because of the way they act towards me. It's always about others. It's almost never about us. So where is this all going? I just mentioned um, the Institute of Leadership Development that we do. You know, a decade ago, the women that you see in the background, uh, I mean, in the the back seat, not that they always sit in the back. I've I've taken some classes where women sit all the way in the front. I mean, that wouldn't have been uh, the case about 10 years ago. Uh, and yet, as these guys were thirsty for 
hungry for knowledge and hungry for what can, what they can do. Um, and as the as the um, uh, the description says in the in the background there um, under the picture, most of the population is under the age of 20. So in a in a war-torn, conflict-ridden country like that, to be able to serve the needs of these young leaders. So they think through their trust issues, their uh, fear issues, um, uh, issues of corruption, um, and make a decision that I want to be a different type of leader. Um, This is how you establish kingdom. So women having the opportunity to sit around and discuss uh, these kingdom principles. Another, Another setting where women and men, young leaders... That's actually a CHE program. Um, So again, um, what we're doing through the different avenues is creating a platform for mentoring, for discipleship, uh, relationship building. Just skip over that. So these are some of the ILD courses and the graduates again. Maybe you can just quickly read that. <coughs> this is a class for CHWs. And uh, as we focus not just, um, or I should say primarily on health, um, we also give them leadership uh, principles, uh, and this particular one is about um, how to utilize a radio program in their community. <coughs> so as you can see, it's an oral tradition. They do a lot of, uh, utilize a lot of pictures. So as in health, uh, education, nutrition, family planning, um, obstetric care, immunizations, all of that comes with very colorful presentations. Um, one of my favorite scenes, um, 10 years ago, <clears throat> during the harsh regime, women were not worthy enough to talk directly to their health providers. So they talked through a screen to an interpreter who talked to. So you can imagine, if the interpreter didn't know much about medicine, what that would communicate by the time you know, that actually got to the health provider. And now having the um, capacity where they can just freely come and be in a setting like this, how much their lives have changed, um, what that speaks to them in terms of their worth, as they could cater to um, their children and their family, uh, family's needs in health. Um, as you can imagine, 80% of what we do in healthcare is catering to women and children. Okay, quick story. I want to keep a tab on time here. Um, uh, you know, when you work in a place like this, not everything goes to plan. Um, and so there's this one time. I, I learned that from the very first time I went there. I had, a, I had my three-week schedule all planned out, um, uh, what I was going to do every day, and uh, whether it's teaching or, or uh, you know, going out and meeting the community elders or CHWs and time with different medical personnel. And, uh, of course, the first day didn't work out, so 
it was a domino effect where it had to change a lot of different things in terms of. So this particular day, I was going to a place not too far from the capital city, uh, about an hour off to another province in the, in the border of another province. And the plan was to meet up with some uh, CHWs. As we went out there, it was evident that they had forgotten to show up or somehow they didn't, uh, they didn't get the message or whatever. And we um, met up with this guy in the middle is one of the community elders in the population of 3,000. So he, he uh, is essentially a leader for about 1,000 people um, in one particular uh, ethnic group in that community. And as soon as our program director on the left, um, whom I have the privilege of working with and someone I consider a brother, um, he asked him, oh, so where's this, where's this guy from? Um, and he happened to say, oh, he's a doctor from the West, and this guy in the middle just goes off on the American military and just, uh, just lays it on me for the next 30 minutes as we're walking up to the first uh, community elder's house. And I'm going, man, what did I do today to deserve this? Um, and uh, I have all these rebuttals kind of you know, going on in my head. And I'm thinking, you know, half of what this guy has to say is not true. It's, not, it's just not facts. Um, and then um, I just had this inkling just to listen. So I'm not a good listener, so that was a miracle in itself. Um, and then we continued this conversation with the rest of the community elders. So the guy in the back comes in about half an hour after we started conversing with the other two. And, and this is how he starts the conversation. The guy, the guy in the back um, comes in and says, oh, I'm sorry to, uh, sorry to come late to the meeting. I had a dispute in my, uh, in my neighborhood, and I had to stop it by shooting uh, both of them in their legs so they will stop sh- talking. And I'm going, I'm not going to say anything wrong to this guy. I didn't even know what to think, let alone say. I don't think I was going to say anything after that. But the first guy um, was talking about holistic health, and, and he caught my attention right away. He was like, being an elder and an imam in this community, a lot of people come to him for healing. And I asked him, you know, I probed him further, and he, and he said, um, I use some of the scriptures from the Quran, and I share with them um, um, the, the effect of meditation. And, uh, of course, you know, I, I'm... Um, as many times as I can, coming in and saying, oh, I believe in very much the same thing, and I, and I think God, God is a spirit that is holy, and the Holy Spirit can really, it does have the power to heal. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, some of this is probably going over his head, and we're really enjoying the conversation. And uh, after we were done talking, just relating to people and just sitting down and having a conversation with them means the world because they are very relational. They're community-oriented. They're all about relation, relationships. So I was so glad that I didn't end up having a session with the CHWs. And effectively, what happened that day is now I have a ticket to that community anytime I want to go there because I know the three elders in that community. So as we were leaving, the first guy goes, Next time you come, I'm killing the biggest chicken that, that we have. We're going to have a feast. Because, you know, every time you go there, they ask you to join them for, um, for a feast or, you know, whatever. And I, we just didn't have the time. We had to head back. So he said, next time, no excuses. You have, to, you have to stay and spend the night with us and all this stuff. And the second guy, as we were walking down to the, where we parked our car, this is the last thing he tells me. And that's the guy who just went off on the military. He goes, Thank you for listening. 
you have a heart of gold. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, if you only knew me. <laughs> I am really glad I just shut up and listened to, you know, I didn't say any of that. But And then it hit me. Uh, my verse for that, that trip was Philippians 4, 5. And it says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Uh, I couldn't believe it. You know, how many times I have answers for their problems. And when I know that, yes, God is the answer. And I have a lot of things to share with them. When a lot of times, God is just asking us to listen. And, and be the light, the salt. Salt just permeates, light is just there. So that how you come across to them changes the spiritual atmosphere. If nothing else, I hope um, you've heard from me today that the spirit in which we work is more powerful many times than the words that we use. And if the words that we're saying is not coming out of the spirit with which we live and exercise our being, then that's not going to be powerful enough. Okay, so in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the chaos, I will venture to say that even in open countries, the corruption, the, the, the greed, spirit is all the same. And that's what you're after. In Ephesians 6, 12, that says, so your fight is not against principalities or powers, uh, but, but the, the, uh, not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers of darkness of this age and how often we forget that. This is the guy I was telling you about, the guy in the middle. Um, it's just powerful testimony. All he did was <coughs> just watched an American missionary with whom he worked for three years. And he said to himself, I don't want to be a Christian, but I want what he has. And as the American Christianary, uh, missionary left the country, this guy had an opportunity to go to India to do his undergraduate degree. Gave his life to Christ there. As soon as people leave the country, something happens. I mean, of course, in the country, with good discipleship, good, good, you know, you realize the environment is just harsh. And sometimes I'm quick to judge them. Why are they not growing fast enough? Why is this fruit not evident? And you realize the harshness of the environment that they live in. And the moment they leave, leave some, some veil get lift, lifted. So that's what happened to this guy in the middle. He gave his life to Christ, came back to his country, and started an NGO on his own when he was 21. Now he's 23. And the NGO is for young um, university students to challenge themselves about their beliefs. So they hold debate tournaments. Um, why do you believe in what you believe? I mean, things like that. Kingdom principles written all over it. And I have the privilege, privilege of Skyping this guy once, once a month and just, just catching up with him on just day-to-day spiritual growth um, affairs and, and spending a lot of time with him when I go about three times a year. And this is what God is doing. In the place of darkness, he has his representatives sharing the light. Another story, um, a guy in our ILD class in the western province of the country bordering to the neighboring country. He was in our second batch 
while going through that class for the, for, the, for the year, he kept hearing all these kingdom principles that were challenging him. He would go to a neighborhood um, forest. You see some uh, wooded areas down there. One of, the, one of the ones to your left. And every single day, he would meet with Isa Masih, Christ the Messiah. He would come back and learn more in the classes. At the end of the class, he gave his life to Christ. Four years later, he is our ILD director for the class that we're doing. Now he's directing others and sharing his life with others. Okay, I'm just going to stop and challenge you to see what God sees. Looking at some of these boys' faces, it's hard to see what God sees, but I'm just joking. <laughs> That's probably a better representation. I mean, kids are just beautiful there. Oh, just the, the hope. I mean, they, they've lived through hell. And yet, what they have to teach me, I'm always floored by it. So a new country is coming. It's very simple. All we have to do is stay the course uh, in, the spite, uh, in the midst of chaos and conflict. We are there to be salt and light. And as we take our part, God will do his. I'm happy to take questions at this time. We just have a few minutes. Yep, go ahead. So the question is, what kind of language did I use? Um, the, the local languages, um, there are two or three that are prevalent. Um, do you mean the way we speak or the language itself? Yeah, so I, no, I don't. I mean, the problem with, you know, doing a lot for the organization here and traveling only uh, three times a year is that some things that I learn, I easily forget when I come back and not utilizing it here. So most of the time, you get interpreters. So the, the program director that you saw with, um, with the community elders there, he travels with me every time. So when I teach, it's always interpreted. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but for hearers of the faith, they have you know, lived in a country like that. They've certainly uh, been good at a couple of languages there. Yeah. In the leadership schools that, that we have mainly catering to, um, urban leaders, and that we haven't taken that to the rural areas, and that's our next challenge. Um, we actually make it a point to, for these guys to know English. Um, now, it would be great to have these same principles uh, in the local languages, so it's, it's uh, you know, accessing many more people. What's your interaction with the government? Uh, are, are you, is this an understood... Absolutely. Absolutely. So since we do community development, uh, that's, um, that's a sanction we are under. So as we get a government approval for whether it's uh, one year, two years, three years at a time, that's what the government knows. Yeah. And, and that's all that we do. And as people ask us, so what is it that you're not telling me? 
then we get into a discipleship mentoring arena. Yeah. Go ahead. Can you talk about some of the different things that Okay, so the question is um, some of the things that um, the organization does. And um, uh, the two main things would be community centers in rural areas and the leadership program in urban areas. Rural areas, we're still talking about 80 to 85 percent of the people. So in community centers, we cater to healthcare, education, and in a less degree, agricultural and business um, ventures. So um, healthcare is mainly the primary healthcare um, arena, um, and mainly through the community health workers going to the community and these uh, community clinics uh, in basic healthcare. In education, a lot of supplemental education along with um, computer classes and a little internet cafe. We also do a communication uh, with a local radio station that, that uh, covers about 10 miles of radius with health messages, local news, some songs and um, poems and things like that. As far as healthcare needs, um, is it mostly community health or is, uh, is there other uh, is there other medical work going on as well? So um, the question was, is there, um, just in terms of healthcare, is there community health or is there more medical stuff going on? Um, in the rural areas, what is really necessary is basic health healthcare and primary healthcare. So much more, much of what we need to do is really prevention, and that's what we focus on. One of the clinical aspects that we do is we oversee a, a Christian residency program out of Tulsa that has a satellite program in, in the capital city. Um, so we, we um, uh, serve them with administrative needs, and they um, do all the logistics of day-to-day -day clinical service. So they run a residency program for family practice, and currently they have 16 uh, family practice residents in different parts of their um, you know, journey. And that is one of the two um, uh, programs in the entire country available. Does that answer your question? Okay. Next Yeah. Um, so the question was, the three community elders that we talked about, do they know that I'm a believer? So usually when someone realizes that you're from the West, they presume that you're a believer. Um, and, and as I talk to them, and, and I, uh, you know, within the conversation, find ways to insert Isamasi into the conversation, uh, they know for a fact that that's what I believe. Uh, and they have no problem with that. You know, we think... Uh, they would have a problem with evangelism. See, the problem that they would have is you going, crossing the gap of, I mean, crossing the bridge of, um, now you need to believe what I believe. So you don't, you don't go there. So you say, this is what I believe, and this has changed my life, uh, and leave it to the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. Yeah. You had a question here. Ago, some of the people on the team really felt that I was totally dishonest and said we mm -hmm. shouldn't have come. Yeah. You know, do you have any thoughts on this? To sure. Um, uh, the question was uh, uh, this gentleman goes to countries where um, there's this question of dishonesty. I go to teach, um, but you know, what do you do? How, how do you cater that, that good balance? So the truth is, they have a great need, as, as all of us 
for kingdom principles and kingdom to be established there. So, yes, we are going as teachers. Uh, so it's teach leadership skills. Uh, it's to teach community health. Um, uh, it's to, you know, develop relationships. So as we share our life, the transformational effect of our life is the work that God, God is doing. So if they are providing in their um, government, um, you know, channels that you can only go as a teacher, um, doctor, you are going exactly to do that. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not even allowed to do that. Like All right. So as a, as a tourist, okay, you can only go as a tourist. Yeah, I would say if that's the only channel the government is allowing you, go as a tourist and share your life. Yeah. Anything else? Anyone else? I think we are over our time, but uh, I believe the next two hours is exhibit hall and, and lunch. So if any of you guys want to stick around and ask more pertinent questions, you're, you're welcome to do so. Thank you guys for coming. and.